In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight chapter 1 from the first epistle of St. John. St. John wrote five books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote three epistles, and the book of Revelation. His three epistles are considered among the Catholic epistles. And the word Catholic means universal. And these epistles, like the epistles of St. James, St. John, St. Peter, St. Jude, are called the Catholic epistles because they were sent to everybody. They were general, universal, Catholic epistles. St. John in his Gospel, he made it very clear, but the purpose of writing his Gospel is to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And if we believe in him, we will have eternal life. As you read in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. He said, I wrote these things to you, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And when you believe, you will have eternal life. So the purpose of the gospel is we may have eternal life. We may have life in Christ. What are the characteristics of this life? What is the nature of this life? Actually, he answered this question in his three letters. So, the Gospel speaks about the eternal life to us in Christ Jesus. The nature of this life is explained in uh, the first epistle of St. John. And because this is the first chapter of the first epistle, let me start by giving you introduction about the epistle. The first question we may ask, who is the author? Who is the author? And what are the evidences that this person is indeed the author? The author is St. John the Beloved, the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who wrote the Gospel of John and the one who wrote the book of Revelation. In order to find evidences, we look at two things, the internal validity and external validity. We mean by the internal validity, we mean evidences from the epistle itself. External validity means evidences from outside the epistle itself. The internal validity. If we compare the Gospel of John with the Epistle of John, we will find similarities 
in style, in vocabulary, in themes, in the epistle and the gospel, which make us confident that this epistle is written indeed by St. John the Beloved. The external validity or the external evidence that St. John wrote this uh, epistle, we will find it in the writer, the, the writings of the early church fathers, like Polycarp, St. Polycarpus, who was a disciple of St. John. He made reference to this epistle in a letter that he sent it to Philippians at the beginning of the second century and he mentioned that this epistle is written by St. John. Also, St. Irenaeus, who was a student of Polycarp. So Polycarp is a student of St. John or a disciple of St. John and Irenaeus is a disciple of Polycarp. Irenaeus also quoted from the epistle and attributed it to John. He said that John the Beloved is the author of this epistle. These are just a few uh, ev uh, evidences that this epistle is written indeed by St. John the Beloved. Recipients. Who are the recipients of this letter? As I told you, the Catholic letters are universal. They were not sent to a specific group. So no one is specifically mentioned by name. But we can conclude from First John chapter 2, verse 20, when he said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. And also verse 27, but the anointing which you have, which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. From these two verses, we can say that St. John is addressing the Christian, the people who received the gift of the Holy Spirit through the anointing, like how we anoint now with the holy oil, Myron. And some of these people actually uh, in the early church received uh, gifts of the Spirit, like miracles, for example. So we can say this epistle is addressed to the Christians, to the believers who already were anointed by the Holy Spirit. So this epistle is not addressed to the non-believers, but to the believers. Some scholars said St. John may have been in Ephesus. And some think that this was a general epistle to Christians throughout Asia Minor. Asia Minor is now Turkey. The date of the epistle, they say it was written between 60 AD and 100 AD. 
Some scholars said around 95, just before his uh, departure. Others says around 70 AD, prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, but there is no specific date that we know for sure. What is the purpose and the theme? Why St. John wrote this letter? What was in his mind? At that time, some people actually, uh, whom we call the Gnostic. The Gnostic actually, they considered the material is evil. All the substance, all the physical world is evil. That's why they couldn't believe that God took real flesh. So they denied that God actually took real flesh. They said that the human nature disappeared in the divine nature. So his body or his flesh that the people saw and the people touched was not a real body. That's why St. John wrote this letter to counter those who denied that the Lord Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. As we read in chapter 4 from verse 1 to 6, he told them, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. This is the Spirit of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. That's why in, in chapter 1 he said, we have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him. His flesh, his human nature is real, is perfect human nature. That's one purpose. He wants to emphasize that the incarnation of the Son of God is indeed he came in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God appeared in the flesh. There is another reason is to assure the Christians that they have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So he said, I wrote this letter to assure you that if you believe in God and you walk in the light of God, then you will have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So we can say, to summarize, we can say that the theme of this epistle is eternal life is in Lord Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh. To inherit eternal life, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh 
and to walk in the light. The outline of the epistle, there is introduction or prologue in chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4 about the word of life. It is very similar to the prologue of the Gospel of John. We will compare between both of them. Then the second uh, uh, topic is about God is light. God is light. From chapter 1 verse 5 to chapter 3 verse 10. Then God is love. From chapter 3 11 to chapter 5 12. And then the conclusion of the epistle to make them confident in their prayer and he spoke about the characteristics of the children of God they do not continue in sin they do not abide in sin so there is introduction and conclusion and then two topic the introduction is about the word of God the two topic God is light and God is love and then the conclusion to be confident in their prayers that God will answer our prayer and also the characteristics of the children of God they do not abide in sin they do not continue in sin uh, this actually a general introduction to the whole epistle and because tonight we will study chapter 1 I want to, to give you a quick introduction to chapter 1 and after this we will study chapter 1 verse by verse as I told you, the prologue of chapter 1 is very similar to the prologue of the Gospel of John. Uh, so, St. John begins his first epistle like he uh, began his Gospel, with a prologue about the Word of God, Jesus Christ, who dwelt in the flesh, God appeared in the flesh, who dwelt in the flesh among us, among men. And because God, as San Athanasius said, God became son of man, he made us to be children of God. So our fellowship with the Father now is possible through the incarnation of the Son of God. God became in the flesh, came in the flesh, and dwelt among us. And we have fellowship with Jesus. But Jesus himself is the son of the Father. So through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with the Father. That's what he explained from verse 1 to verse 4. From verse 5 to verse 10, after he told us, you have fellowship with the Father through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, again, fellowship with the Father through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, this fellowship with God is maintained as long as we walk in the light. If we do not walk in the light, we will lose this fellowship. If we choose to walk in darkness, we will lose this fellowship. So this fellowship is maintained as long as we walk in the light and we confess our sins. Many of us will say, but I cannot continue and walk in light without falling in any sin. Many times because of the weakness, I commit sin and I walk in the darkness. 
does this mean I lost my fellowship with the Father forever? Saint John said no. If you walk in darkness, there is a way. Come, repent, confess your sins, take communion, and then the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will cleanse me, will purify me from every sin, and then I can continue my fellowship with the Father and with the Son. So the summary of the chapter one of chapter one. First, he explained why God became man, in order for us to have fellowship with the Father, in order for us to be children of God. But to continue to maintain this fellowship with God, you need to walk in light. As long as you are walking in light, then you are in fellowship. If you walk in darkness, you lose the fellowship. But this is not the end of the story. If you walk in darkness, there is a solution. Repent, confess your sins, take communion, let the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ purify us and cleanse us from every sin. And thus, you will continue in your fellowship with the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. This is the summary of chapter 1. And now let's read it verse by verse. It's a very small chapter, just 10 verses. So it will not take long. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So he is saying here, the word of life, the Logos, Jesus Christ, the hypostasis of the Son, Jesus Christ was from the beginning. So the Logos, the Son, who was from the beginning, in the fullness of time, appeared in the flesh, took flesh from Saint Mary through the coming of the Holy Spirit upon her, and he became man, and he was manifested as the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, who lived in the flesh 2,000 years ago, is the eternal God, is the eternal Son of God, is the eternal Logos of God, who in the fullness of time took flesh and became man. That which was from the beginning, eternal, which we have heard when he came in the flesh, now as I told you, he wants to emphasize that the incarnation of the Son of God is real. So he said, we heard him, we have seen him with our eyes, we have looked upon him, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Means we saw the word of God in his incarnate form when he took flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you 
that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. I want you to know he called Jesus not only the Logos, but he called him the Logos or the Word of Life. Why he called him the Word of Life? Because Jesus came to the world in order to give us life. We were under the sentence of death. The Lord Jesus Christ came to abolish the power of death and to give us life. That's why he is the word of life. In John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. I have come that you may have you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. So this life, this life was manifested in the incarnation of the Son of God. The eternal life, the promise of eternal life became real, became manifested, was revealed to us when God became man to abolish the power of death. So Jesus Christ, the revealed Son of God, the revealed Word of God, when he became flesh, in him was life. The life was manifested. And we have seen. What did he see? He saw the resurrection. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ after he abolished the power of death. So he saw that Jesus is not only the word of life, but also he is the giver of life. He gives the life to every person who believes in him. As he said in his gospel, I wrote this gospel that you may believe in Jesus Christ, and if you believe in him, you will have eternal life abiding in you. I have seen that Jesus is the source of life. I saw how he raised the dead. I saw how he himself, by the power of his divinity, abolished the power of death. And now, my role, my responsibility, my mission as an apostle to bear witness, life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness. He is fulfilling the great commission when the Lord said to the disciples, you will be witnesses of me. Now he is practicing this. Now I am bearing witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father, the Son who was with the Father, the source of life, and the Father also is the source of life, was manifested to us. So now he is bearing witness, declaring to us about the word of God, the word of life, who was with the Father and in the fullness of time became man and was manifested to us. So his role as apostle, having seen and known the eternal life as he lived on earth, as he saw it in Jesus Christ in his life on earth, his role is to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. 
verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. What I have seen, that Jesus is the word of life. What I have heard, you know, in John chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ said, the hour has come and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So he has heard and he has seen. Now what he saw and what he heard, he is declaring to us. Why? Why he is declaring to us that in Jesus there is life, the eternal life. If you want to overcome this, believe and abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why he is declaring this? That you may have fellowship with us. He's saying, we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we receive the, the promise of eternal life. And I want all of you also to receive the promise of eternal life. To have fellowship with us and to inherit the eternal life. That's why I am declaring, I am bearing witness to you that you may have eternal life. That you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ so through the son we became children of the father and we became heirs with Christ of the eternal life because only the children are eligible for inheritance so Jesus is the only son is the only begotten son so he is the heir now if we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we become one on Him, so in Him we will inherit eternal life. So He said, we already have this, we have fellowship. Now I am declaring this to you, that you may have fellowship with us. So all of us will have fellowship and inherit eternal life. To declare what they had seen and what they had heard, that is to preach the good news, to preach the gospel of salvation, the gospel of eternal life. This knowledge brought those who accepted it, like the apostles, into a fellowship. Fellowship of knowledge and hope. They knew the Father through the Son, and now they have hope in the Son that they will inherit the kingdom of God in Him, inherit eternal life in Him. That's why he said we have this fellowship and now we want you to have the same fellowship with us. Verse 4. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. All of us were scared of what? Of death. The moment of death. Because it is the moment of the unknown. Most of the people fear death but the true Christian should not fear death because death for him is a bridge to eternal life so he is saying before believing in Christ you are sad when you hear about death you are sad when you die but now I am declaring to you that if you have fellowship with us 
with Jesus Christ to be the children of God, then you will conquer death. And when you conquer death, your joy will be full. You will not be sad or afraid or scared from the moment of death. Those who have fellowship are partakers of the same faith, same hope, same privilege. All the saints, all the apostles entered in this fellowship. And he, is want, he wants us to enter into this fellowship with them and with God. This fellowship with the Son is the guarantee that nothing will be withheld from us. Nothing good will be withheld from us. But everything will be ours. The inheritance of the kingdom of God will be our, uh, ours. I can say this fellowship with the saints, with the apostles, with the Son and with the Father, it's a fellowship of peace, unity, eternal life, and glory. So he is writing these things in order that we may rejoice with the fullness of joy in our glorious hope that we will inherit the kingdom of God. So that is the first part. The first part of this chapter, the first four verses, he spoke about the word of God, why he came to the flesh in order to have fellowship with the Father. What's the purpose of this fellowship? To inherit eternal life. And the apostle already have seen, have heard, have witnessed this eternal life. That's why they are declaring, they are preaching this gospel to us. So, if we enter into this fellowship by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting him, then we will have the same promise. We will be uh, heirs of the eternal life. And thus, actually, our joy will be full. Our joy will be full. From verse 5, how to maintain your fellowship with Christ and with the Father. Verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now he's saying there is no fellowship between darkness and light. Now God is light, no darkness in him. If you walk in light, you will have fellowship. If you walk in darkness, you will lose this fellowship. So he starts by saying, God is light. We have heard this message from Christ. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of St. John, he said, I am the light of the world. Who believes in me, walks in the light and will not stumble. So Jesus is the light. He heard St. John is saying, I heard this from Jesus, that he is the light. In him, there is no darkness at all. What does it mean, there is no darkness? Jesus is the source of all light, whether it is physical light, moral light, spiritual light. Jesus is the enlightener of the whole universe. In him there is no darkness at all. Means this light is luminous light, free light. There is 
nothing impure in this light. It is completely, completely pure. There is nothing alien to this uh, light. There is no darkness at all. There is no even a small sin. God resembled us in everything except for sin alone. We cannot attribute any weakness or sin or something wrong in God. In Him, there is no darkness at all. At all. So when we commit a sin, this sin is darkness. Actually, there is no fellowship between darkness and light. That's why in verse 6 he said, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Can you have, for example, there is light in this church. Do you see in the darkness there is no darkness? You cannot have the darkness and light together in the same place. Impossible. So, if you are walking in darkness, then you cannot be with Jesus Christ. Impossible. So, if you are walking in darkness and you are saying, I have fellowship with Christ, this is a lie. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Don't deceive yourself. Don't walk in darkness and say, no, but I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I have strong relationship with him. You are deceiving yourself. Light represents truth, knowledge, holiness. Darkness represents ignorance, error, falsehood, sin. To claim a fellowship with God who is light and to walk in darkness of error, ignorance, sinfulness, it is inconsistent. He who obeys not the truth walks in darkness. He who does not obey the truth, he who does not obey the word of God, he who violates the word of God walks in darkness. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanse us from all sin. So, we walk in light when we follow the commandment of God, when we follow the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. When all of us follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we will have fellowship together. So, we say the Lord Jesus Christ reconciled us with God the Father, he reconciled us together, and reconciled the man with himself, the person with himself. So if you have fellowship with God, you are walking in light. If I have fellowship with God, I am walking in light, but this means what? Me and you have fellowship with one another. That's why he said, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If you are walking in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am walking in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you and I together have fellowship with one another. But as I told you, nobody is without sin, even if his life be a single day. What if 
we commit a sin. Yes, at this moment, we lost our fellowship. But it is the end of the story? No. If we repent, we confess, and we take communion, then actually the blood of Jesus Christ, as he said, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's why the Lord left his blood on the altar every day in order to purify us from our sins, in order to walk in the light all the time. And if we lost this for any reason, let us repent, come back after confessing our sin, and then we will be cleansed and we continue our walk in light. Cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, thus we are made holy and we become uh, fitted for the heavenly communion. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So I want you to see here, here how St. John said in verse 6, if you say that you, are, you have fellowship with him, but you are walking in darkness, you are a liar. But he said again, nobody can say, I do not commit sin. If you say, I do not commit a sin, you are a liar too. You are deceiving yourself. Nobody is without sin. That's why every person of us, every single person, needs repentance, confession, and communion. Every single person. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Jesus is the truth. God is the truth. If the truth is not in me, this means God is not in me. To say we have reached a sinless state in which we no longer need the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to purify and cleanse us, this is deception. We are deceiving ourselves. Uh, and those, the perfectionists who claim they don't need confession, they don't need repentance, St. John is saying they are liars here. How can we solve this? He spoke about communion in verse 7 when he said the blood of Jesus Christ. In verse 9 he speaks about confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our, us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess means admit, take responsibility. Don't go to Abuna just to defend yourself and to find excuses. Because if you are trying to defend yourself and finding excuses, you are not confessing. Confessing means to say, I am guilty. I admit. I acknowledge. I am taking full responsibility. When you say this, God actually is faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, Instead of affirming that we are sinless, we should confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, the Lord will be faithful to his promise of mercy and justice to forgive us our sins, to forgive us 
our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the word, the word all here comforts me. God will purify me from all unrighteousness, from every single sin, all sins. There is no sin is exempted here. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is so powerful to purify me from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You are not only a liar if you say you do not sin, but also you say that Jesus Christ, that God is a liar if you say you are not without sin. So every time I am saying I am without sin, as if I'm saying God is a liar. Why God is a liar? Because God said all of us are sinners. There is none righteous, not a single person. You can read it in Psalm 14, verse 4, Romans 3, verse 10. Not a single person without sin. And we say in the litany for the departed, which is a verse taken from the book of Job, there is no one is pure from sin, even if his life one single day, because we are born with the original sin. That's why if you claim that you are without sin, you are making him liar. What here about the Immaculate Conception of St. Mary? Those who are saying she was born without the original sin, they are making him liar. Because God said nobody is without sin, even if his life on earth be a single day. St. Mary herself said, the Lord my Savior, she needed salvation from the original sin. So how can we claim she was born without the original sin, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception? So if we say we are sinless, we make him a liar. This concludes this chapter. Let me just uh, summarize it. It's a very small, simple chapter, but powerful. The message in it is very, very powerful. The word of life came to, in the flesh to give us life. How? You have to enter into a fellowship. How? Believe in him. And if you enter in this fellowship with the Son, you will have eternal life. But you should know that God is life. God is light. If you walk in darkness, you will lose this fellowship. So you cannot walk, you cannot walk in darkness and claim that you have fellowship. But nobody is without sin. Everybody is sinful. How can we continue to walk in light? Solution is very easy. Take responsibility of your sins, admit it, confess it, repent, take communion, and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ will purify me from all sins and all unrighteousness. What a powerful and a message, joyful message that gives joy and hope to our heart. We have eternal life and although we are sinful, but through confession and communion, we can continue in our fellowship with the light of the world. Glory be to God.